Hello, my name is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. My prayer for you is that this message would be meaningful to you, that it would challenge you, and that it would help you move forward in your faith. To be a part of all that we get to do here at Redefined Church, visit us online at churchredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. You are here. We're going to open to John 6. John 6, we're going to start in verse 15. And we can read this together to be on the bottom of the screen. It says this, it says, Then Jesus, knowing that they were going to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew, you can highlight withdrew, withdrew again to the mountainside by himself. What did he do? He went to seek God. He went to seek God, to be with the Father. And that's what Jesus, Jesus reconnected us to the Father. He says, nobody comes to the Father except through me. Jesus came lived perfect, died perfect, to reconnect us to the Father. So this is, this is part of our action step today is to seek God. I want to identify, are you seeking God? Are you seeking God as you go? Verse 16, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea and they got into a boat and started to cross the sea to Capernaum. It was already dark and Jesus had still not come back to them. It's interesting that, I, that, that, this, is in the, that, that this makes the story. It was already dark and Jesus hadn't come back. I don't know about you, but I'd be a little bit worried at that time. Like, man, we're supposed to be here. We're going to go like, okay, dark. We're going to cross the sea. I mean, you know, even if you're in a pond and it's dark, there's this one time, <laughs> this one time me and Heather rented a sea do and it was, it was the bright of day. And we were down in the Gulf of Mexico on vacation and riding the sea do all around. And Heather wanted to drive. Okay. I can't even believe I'm telling this story. Heather wanted to drive. And so um, I'm like, okay, like, yeah, that's cool. And so I'm like, I'm going to stand up and you're going to crawl under my legs on the seat. Okay. And, um, and then I'll just sit down behind you and, and we'll pitter patter around. Right. And so what happens is we're in this like real dark water. It's dark guys. Like I have no clue what's in here and this is the ocean. And so you guys know what happens. I stand up, but I have to lean to the side. And when I do, we're on a sea do and I fall in and I start freaking out. This is like Heather's, I don't know if it's her biggest story about just me being a sissy. It's pretty close though. Okay. And I'm like, I cannot see what's underneath me. Get me out of this water. So I pull myself off the back, out of the water, up on the back of the sea do and, uh, and everything was good. This is a similar place. These guys are in right here, right? It's dark. Jesus isn't back. Okay, they're unsure, they're fixing to go out. And so my question to you on that scripture is, are you worried? Are you worried? Are you worried right now? I mean, it is the plain of day. The sun has came out, the birds are singing, that's great. But it's easy to even be worried right now. In verse 18, it says, The sea was getting rough and rising high because a strong wind was blowing. And when they had rowed three or four miles and were near the center of the sea, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and approaching the boat, and they were terribly frightened terribly frightened, not like eh, a little uneasy, terribly frightened. Verse 20, but Jesus said to them, oh, guys, it's me. I am. Okay. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be worried. Don't be terribly afraid. It's me. And it says upon his word right there, upon his word, they were willing. And you can highlight they were willing. They were willing. This is, this is it today. They were willing to take him on board the boat and immediately the boat reached the shore to the land which they were going. Are you willing today? 
Are you willing? When you come in today, what is the posture of your heart? We worship, we pray, we open our Bible. We're here. We're present today. But are you here? What's the posture of your heart while you're here this morning? While you're logging on right now? Where are you in that? And so, as you kind of reflect or think on that, today we're looking at how we live the vision of Jesus. You would say, well, that's, that's kind of a, a weird topic, right? I say that because everybody likes to live on mission. Everybody likes the, the what's and the how's and the do's. Okay? It's, hard to talk to, it's hard to talk to anybody who doesn't want to ask the question, well, how are you going to do that? Well, what are you doing that for? And we love that. We love that because we can control it. It's in the physical, right? Everybody likes to live the mission. But in that, where are you going on that mission? If you're living your mission, where are you going? Where does it end? And if it's not spiritual, it stinks. If you don't have a heavenly ending to your mission, it's off. It's broken. It's broken. And so here's just, just to give you some, some scoop here. Vision is where we're going. Okay, It's who we're to be. Vision is where we're going. It's who we're to be. It's who we want to be. But we must embody it first. It must be inside of us. It's not osmosis that we get from somebody who believed. It's not because our grandmother went to the best church in town or the worst church in town or the closest church in town. It's not because of anything that anybody did but Jesus. And so, well, my, you know, my grandma was Methodist, Catholic, Lutheran, Church of Christ, any of those things. It's not that. It's not that. It's because Jesus came, died on a cross, and rose again. And that's why we're here today. And so then, that's the vision, and the vision must be in you, right? Now, vision is where we're going. It's who we want to be. Mission is what we're doing. Mission's what we do, okay? It's how we get there. It's how we get there. And so, Jesus' mission is really simple. Super simple. Be a disciple. That means more than just following. It takes some stretch, and there's strength in that stretch. Now, when we're on Jesus' mission and our mission is spiritual, that means our mission is spiritual. That means it ends in a heavenly place. When we're on that physical mission, okay, our mission, it can be difficult. Our mission is difficult. And a lot of times we choose the, we choose the thing and the place. We choose the how and, and the what. And, and we think, okay, if I just get that done. And the reality of all that is even through the struggles and the trials, it can be tough. But we get there and we figure it out because we adjust and we shift and we change. And the reason that we can do that is because it happens in the flesh. It's of the physical world, okay? And it's physical. That means we have control. I've got this. I got this. I got this, right? And so what's funny about that is we live our mission, and then when the, then when the, the, the tide breaks, okay, or the door opens, okay, we go, oh, thank God. Thank you, Lord, for walking with me. And the reality is, you never even invited him in. If God's not in it from the beginning, he won't be in it at all. He'll watch. But it's got to be, it's got to be, it's got to be his, his mission, his vision, not ours. Right? And so then, this, which, which means this, it's real easy. When you live on your mission, it's, it's easy to lose sight of the vision. That heavenly vision of being in that heavenly place, seated high with God. We get tied up in, in, in doing, in busy, in our wants, in our dreams, in our desires. We get so stuck in those things that we lose sight of the vision, right? 
And the reality is this, if, if I were just to, to put an end to this statement, it's this, when pride walks in, God walks out. When there's no humility, when we can't do this open-handed with God, for His cause, for His sake, for God's sake, when pride walks in, God walks out. When things are good and you have all you need, it's, it goes pretty well, especially when you've worked to attain it. And then you can say, thank, thank you, God. That's a disadvantage to you. You're at a disadvantage. When things are just all green and rosy and perfect and everything just seems to be hitting and, and you're in a rhythm and you're in a flow, that, that leads you to be at a disadvantage because you lose sight of the vision, heavenly, because you are focused on the things that are around you, physical. And so why? Why? Because we paint this picture in our mind that it's easy to do and to go anywhere and do anything with God. It's easy to do anything and to go anywhere with God, right? We love anything and anywhere. We can do anything and anywhere with God all day long because we love it. Why do we love it? It's physical. I can grab it. I can grab it and I can see it. That has zero to do with faith. Faith is the evidence of things unseen, the things that we hope for, right? So then, well, when life gets tough, what do I focus on? I want to focus on what I can see and what I can feel. And so then going anywhere and doing anything for God, that's, that's easier, right? And almost all of us at some time have said this, Lord, whatever you want, wherever you want, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life as is in heaven. Where I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything that you want me to do. Your kingdom, Lord. I'll go. And some of you are like, I ain't said that. I ain't even said anything close to that, right? I'm not gone. I've not gone that far yet. I've not gone that far yet. And so I hope that you see that most of us would. Most of us would. That is our heart. It's why you it's why you'll log on on a Sunday morning because because you're 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 there physically. But spiritually, are you? What's the posture of your heart as we gather this morning? Most of us today would say, yeah, I've said that, or I would say that, or that is my heart in gathering online this morning. God, whatever you need and wherever you want, that's my heart. That's my heart. Here's, here's the, big, the big nail that we take out and we drive it in. But this, what if God says this? What if God says you're going to do nothing and you're going to go nowhere? What if God said that? Talked to a woman yesterday. She said, man, circumstances look too good. It's not too hopeful. <sighs> Say that again. I understand exactly what you're saying. If God said that you're going to do nothing and that you will go nowhere, would you continue to live the vision? Would you continue to live on mission? Right? Would you push? Now, in our couches and our PJs with our coffee... That church answer is always going to be what? Yes. Yes, we would. Yes, we would. Things just got serious. Dang, I thought we were going like anywhere. I love that. Anywhere and anything. Yeah, man, come on. Come on, Dusty. And now I'm saying, what if it's nothing and nowhere? Ooh. I got something I want to share with you because this is, this is huge. And, and there's light in your circumstance right now, even if you can't see it. There's hope in it. And sometimes 
you lose hope, you lose hope. You lose sight because you lose the vision. And we focus on the what's and our mission, right? Back in 2009, we were going to play for our first state championship ever. And I was coaching uh, at that time, uh, doing part-time ministry, part-time coaching. I was coaching and we're, we're loading the buses that morning uh, to go play in the first state championship game for, in school history. And the school's not very old and, and we got a visit. We got a visit from a coach across town and he come in real simple and he, he just came over and he said he had won state championships before and, and he came in and he showed me a piece of paper and he, he showed all of us a piece of paper. Ours looks a little bit better this morning. And that piece of paper says uh, this. And as you look at this full screen graphic and you see opportunity, you're going to read just a few things. And when you look at that piece of paper, you go, huh, that, that says one of two things. And it says this, one, opportunity is nowhere, which means you're hopeless. Or two, opportunity is now here. Now here, which means you have hope. You have hope. And finally, I think the reality that we all have to face every day when we wake up out of bed, before we ever meet with the Lord, before we ever say a a thank you prayer from our mouth is, we get to choose. We choose this. We choose that opportunity is nowhere or opportunity is now here. And when you look at that, what I hope that you see is there's two sides to everything. And just as much as God wants you to win and go somewhere, the devil wants you to go nowhere. And that's all this guy did. He came in. He said, what do you see? He held the sign up. He said, what do you see? And everybody said it. And the reality is nearly 80% of people say opportunity is nowhere. And that morning, I don't remember anybody in the room, we were confident. We were confident. I don't remember anybody saying nowhere. Everyone said, opportunity is now here. It's perspective. It's the posture of your heart. How are you seeing it? What are you believing? That's it. Because with God, we can handle anywhere and anything all the time. We struggle to handle the nothing and the nowhere, but really nowhere is really now here now here settle settle find me right and so most of us spend a lot of time feeling like we have nothing to do and nowhere to go right and depending on what part of the country you live in that could be that's pretty true and so what i want you to see is god pulls you out of that god pulls you out of that god will pull you out of that look at what he does for the disciples you go back to that story and you see that it's easy to get lost in the what's, it's easy to get lost in the where's because they're physical. It's what we see. And if we're, not, if we're not careful, we find ourselves focused on external physical things that God is not in. He's not in them. And the reality is that we must find our satisfaction, our peace in Jesus. Or we will look to someone else. Or we'll look to someone else. Or we'll look somewhere else. 
When Jesus says, hey, I got it. I got it. Because this, whatever you think about, you will look for. And whatever you look for, you will find. If you ask for what's and where's, and if you seek for what's and where's, and if you knock for what's and where's, you will find them. You will find them because you have the power of choice. You can get up and go anywhere and go do anything you want at any time. And if it goes good, you can give God credit even though it was your plan from the beginning. Okay? And so, the reality is this. When you do that, those things and those places are gained without God because you want them. And you want them without His will, but only for your benefit. You haven't, in, you haven't involved him from the beginning. And so if he's not there in the beginning, he won't be in it. Can you bring him in? Sure you can. I'm sure he'd love to join at any time you're willing, at any time that you're willing. And so when you bring him in for, when you're doing these things for your benefit instead of his will, you struggle. You struggle. And then when the sun pops out of the clouds for a second, you're like, oh, thank you, Lord. And the cloud covers back again. You're like, oh, we're back. We're back. Where's God? Well, he's still, he's still the same place he's always been, waiting for you. And so, what I hope that you see is when you ask, seek, and knock, with Jesus at the center, you find exactly what you need. You find exactly what you need. And when it's nothing, you're willing to wait because you trust because you trust. Well, look at this. We talked about asking, seeking, and knocking with Jesus at the center. This is Matthew 7, 7 through 11. This is going to be your action step today, so pay attention. Verse 7 says, Ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives. And he who keeps seeking finds. And to him who keeps on knocking, it will be opened. I almost just got attacked by a squirrel. Okay. Or what man is there among you if his son asks for bread, will instead give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will instead give him a snake? If you then, evil, sinful by nature as you are, know how to give good and advantage gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven, perfect as he is, give what is good and advantage to those who keep on asking him? Big question. Ask in the beginning, what is your posture in seeking? What is your posture in asking? What is your posture in knocking? Is it His will or your way? What is the posture? Because this, God looks at your heart. He's looking at your heart. And He knows if it's half-hearted. He knows if you're disinterested. He knows if it's disingenuine. He knows. He knows. And so to do it to say you did because you can say you did when you're frustrated is not the way. It's not the way. And sometimes what you need um, is nothing. And sometimes what you need is nowhere because there is so much that happens in a delay. The delay, I believe with all my heart, is time for development. It's time for development. And so when you need nothing and nowhere because God needs you to wait God is needing you to wait while he works on your behalf. He's working on your behalf. Verse 7 says, keep on asking. It doesn't say, 
ask and if it doesn't happen in the next 33 seconds because that's when my Instagram feed updates, okay, then I should go and figure it out. It says ask and keep on asking. Not for where's and for what's. And it's easy to get impatient and it's easy just to go, right? It's easy to go. It's easy to jump in your car and start looking around. We love taking drives. We love looking around. It's easy to hop on the web, do some surfing, right? It's easy to hop on my boat and start dreaming. Oh man, just unplug and get away from it for a minute. If I could just do that, right? Why? Why do we do that? Why do we do that? We need something to hope for, right? But the root is you're tired. We get tired. We do that because we get tired. We're weary. We're exhausted. We're lost. We're wondering, God, when? God, where? If you go back to John chapter 6, verse 17 and 19, these will be on lower thirds, and I want you to see what happens. When you willingly invite Jesus, look what happens to the disciples in the boat. It got dark. It got dark. They were alone. They were worried. They were in the middle of the sea. Road. For four miles, they were exhausted. They were afraid, tired, weary. They're fatigued because they just rode four miles. Who knows the last time they ate what they had to drink, right? And because they were fatigued, they were fearful. Because they were fatigued, they were fearful. And when you become fatigued, that's when we start losing sight of the vision. When you become fatigued, you lose sight of that heavenly place that we're looking to be. And we start looking around us at things that we can do. I'm tired. I'm tired. When you're tired, you'll do anything. If you've ever took a long road trip, when you're tired, you'll see anything. The dots on the road start becoming things, right? When you're tired, you'll go anywhere. Man, I'll go anywhere. In verse 19, Jesus is coming to them. And he says, he says, hey, fellas, and they are scared to death. It is, they're taken aback a little bit. They think it's a ghost. It's like, surely there's not a person on the water right now, right? Like, you roll the window down, get the back in, right? Scared to death. It's amazing. It's amazing how we get distorted when our lives are out of order. It's amazing how we get distorted when we get tired. It's amazing. It's amazing how we can't even recognize Jesus when we're tired. We're not looking for Him. We're looking for anything else but Him. We're looking for a what and a do. We're looking for a how. In John verse 20, What's Jesus say? He says, guys, it's me. It's me. Chill out. It's, it's me. I am. I can only imagine. I am. It's all good. And in verse 21, it says, this is then they were willing. You highlighted that. They were willing. Then they were willing to take him on the boat. And immediately, immediately, the boat reached the land which they were going. Immediately. Why? Back to the vision. Where are we going? Sure. When we have Jesus, how do we get there? Now. 
now. I read this portion of scripture kind of like a conversation the disciples were having where Jesus is outside of the boat and they're inside the boat. And it's like, do we let him in? Like, still a little bit leery. We're tired, fatigued. We don't know. We're unsure. Is this a ghost? Like, he is standing on water. But it is Jesus. You know, well, I guess. I mean, they'd rode for four miles. It's, it's dark. They're going nowhere. They're going nowhere. They don't really have a whole lot of other options, but they're still like, there's some hesitation. The reality is there's no conversation to be had. Jesus is standing right here. What, are we ignorant? Jesus is standing right here. Still hesitation. And what I want you to see is Jesus was right there. He was right there. Even though they were going nowhere, even though they could see nothing, he was right there. And they were still like, hmm. Now, fast forward 2,000 years. I understand where we could do that as people, right, as human beings. And even though they were tired, they were lonely, afraid, weak, worried, Jesus remained right there. He stood. It wasn't like, oh, okay, you guys are... I know what you need, okay? Just you, Once you guys get it figured out, just let me know. And so... It's easy for us to go like this. When... Um, when we will from our hearts to have Jesus, when we're willing to receive him, things move forward. The disciples still hesitated. They were hesitant. And even though they knew who he was, even though they knew they needed him, even though he was right there, they still hesitated. Look what happens in verse 21. Nothing and nowhere were happening until the moment they willingly received him. What happened? We receive, the waves die, the wind changes direction, and we arrive at our destination. We arrive at our destination. As soon as they received him, as soon as they allowed him to have access, they reached their where? They reached where they were going, which we would call the vision today, right? And in their willingness, I hope you see they're not just welcoming Jesus into the boat. They're saying, you're now the captain of this boat. So they went from double fist clenched here to have your way. We willingly receive. This is not, hey man, I'll save you a seat over here. Receiving Jesus means more than saying, hey, you can sit here if you want, right? It means this, with that relationship, with that relationship of, hey, hey, you, Jesus, you can come and sit here, right here. With that relationship, you still look for the physical things. You still go right back to your mission. But what happens is because we, we live life with him sitting next to us, because we've, we've welcomed him into our boat, when stuff gets hard, we go, hey, hey, can you fix that? Hey, can you fix that? Hey, can you fix that? And sometimes he says, no, that has nothing to do with where we're going. That has nothing to do with where we're going. Maybe where you want to go, pal, but that has nothing to do where we're going. And this relationship is not the relationship. This is conversion. Discipleship means you're the boss. Boss. 
Wow. A lot of people receive and save a seat, but won't give up their chair. A lot of people receive, save a seat, but they won't give up their chair. I call it the captain's chair here, I believe. Why? I'm still driving this boat. You can sit there, but I'm still driving this boat. I'm running this ship, okay? This is my thing. I'm the captain, okay? But I'm so, but I'm, but I'm so glad that you would join me. In that position, nothing new is ever going to happen. With that posture of your heart, nothing new is ever going to happen until you get yourself to a place where you are willing to receive the fullness of God. I don't know partial God. God's not a partial God. All in. And so you see the disciples, they were willing to receive. They were willing. Yes, Lord. Your will, obviously our way, sucks. This is terrible. We've been out here. We've gone forever. Not sure where we are. Thought we would have crossed by now. Where are we? Our way is the hard way. Yes, Lord, we will receive you. And please, could you <laughs> please take us where we need to go? And what they discovered on this day, what, what the disciples discovered on this day is how hard things can come to pass immediately. Immediately. When? When we seek Jesus from the start. Hard things come to pass immediately in the presence of God when we walk with Him. When He has the lead. Immediately everything that was working against them worked in their favor. When God is welcomed... When he is willingly received, he takes adversity and he reverses it. When God is welcomed, willingly received, he takes the adversity, the struggle of your way, and he reverses it to his will. Every time. I believe that. I believe that. couldn't get me to do what I'm doing right now if I didn't. Why? I believe in the vision of the place of where we are supposed to be. Not all of the stuff that we like doing to check a box and say we did. When God is welcomed and willingly received, He takes our way, the adversity that we face, and He turns it into His will. He reverses it. So then, this went from a poor situation in a boat to a powerful situ situation instantaneously, right? And that's what many of you need today. You need a reversal in your circumstance. You need a reversal in your circumstance. You're working on your mission. And that, that just means you're staying busy. But being busy and being productive are two different things. You can work on the wrong things and be busy, right? But you've got one problem in all of your work, in all of your struggling, in all of your striving. He's not present. He's not present. He's not there. And you've lost the vision. You can't remember. You're rowing. You're rowing. Row the boat. Row the boat. You're rowing. Tired. Weary. 
weary. And Jesus is saying, I'm not the captain of your boat. You won't even get out of your seat and just relax. Just relax and take a ride. I got you. Matter of fact, he's saying, I'm not even in the boat. Stop pretending. Stop pretending I'm in that boat with you. I'm not even in your boat, let alone the seat. Stop. Being willing this morning, today, tonight, wherever you watch this, being willing is not an, oh, Jesus, come into my life so the sun can come out and it can all be good again. That's not what willing is. Isaiah 1.9 says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. You will inherit it all if you are willing and obedient. I close with this. No more of me. This is the truth. We're going to go right here. This is Hebrews chapter 3. It's the Amplified Bible. We're going to start in verse 6. But Christ is faithful as a son over his father's house, and we are his house. We are his house. If we hold fast, our confidence and sense of triumph and our hope in Christ. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as your fathers did in rebellion of Israel at Meribah on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers tried me by testing my forbearance and tolerance and saw my works for 40 years and found I stood their test. Therefore, I was angered with this generation and I said, they always go astray in their heart and they did not know my ways nor become progressively better, it's a journey, progressively better and more intimately acquainted with them. So I swore an oath in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, the promised land, the vision, that heavenly place, Take care, brothers and sisters, that there not be in any of you a wicked, unbelieving heart. It says nothing about your mind. What he's saying is, I do not care how much you know. Let there not be a wicked, unbelieving heart, which refuses to trust and rely on the Lord, a heart that turns away from the living God. But continually encourages one another every day as long as it is called today as long as today is called today which will be forever until jesus comes back encourage one another and there is an opportunity there is an opportunity so that none of you will be hardened into a settled rebellion by the deceitfulness of sins its cleverness delusive glamour delusive glamour and sophistication for we believers that's in your heart have become partakers of Christ sharing in all the Messiah has for us if we only hold firm our newborn confidence which originally led us to him Jesus until the end while it is said today as long as today is called today while it is said today while there is still opportunity now hear. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Do not harden your heart. 
in a recap of that right there. You are the house of God. Now that Jesus has come, he is who fills your heart when you willingly receive him. Today, being willing means you must shelf your pride. You must give control. It's not control of the what's. Hang with me in this. It's control. It's the same decisions the disciples had to make when they welcomed him in the boat. Why do they struggle with this? Why do we struggle with this? Because it's hard to do. It's hard to do. Why is it hard to do? I got this. We got this. I got this. Okay? No, no, no. We're good. Have you ever been asked if you need any help? Okay? What's your answer? No, I'm good. Even if you are absolutely clueless. No, I'm good. Okay? I'll YouTube it. I'll YouTube it. Okay? I'll Google it. We'll figure it out. No, I'm good. You ever been furniture shopping? Hey, good to see you. Need any help? Help you find a thing? Uh, no, it's a furniture store, okay? The couches are there, the chairs are there, the beds are back there, the kitchen tables are over there. We're good. If I if I need it all, let you know, okay? It's the same. It's the same. If you got a giggle from the furniture shop, you know where I'm at. And the reality in this is disciples could have hardened their hearts. And the truth is they thought about it. And the harder that your heart is, the harder it is to receive. The harder your heart, the more seasoned, the more religious, the more that you know. The more you know, the harder your heart. The harder your heart, the harder it is to receive, to willingly receive Jesus. Here's the reality. You call yourself a Christian right now. If you're a believer right now, people are looking at you. People are looking at you. They're watching you. And they say, do not harden your heart. See the opportunity for what it is. See who God is and what he wants to do through you, which is the mission to get not only you, but those around you to that heavenly place, which is the vision that we're all called to be living. It's easy to have a hard heart when you're tired, when you're fatigued, when you're unsure, when you're worried, when you don't like the government, okay? when you don't like the school system, when you don't like... It's easy to have a hard heart when you don't like X. But God says this. With me, this is the best thing that I think I might have ever learned in my relationship with God. He says, with me, how is none of your concern? How is never an issue. You do your part. I'll do mine. Be who I called you to be, and I'll handle how you get there. I'll handle how you get there. I got it. I got it. John 6, 20, they were willing to receive Jesus at his word. The moment that you receive Jesus at his word is the moment you find your destination. Boom. They were, they were supposed to be. Big question. How are you with his word? Those are the red letters in the Bible. They're here, okay? How are you with his word? How are you with the truth? Do you seek him or self? Do you ask or tell? Do you knock and wait or just want? Action step. Now that you're willing, now that you understand what willing means, 
Father God, I pray they understand what willing means. Matthew 7, 7. Now that you're willing to ask and keep asking, to seek and keep seeking, to knock and keep knocking, because you're willing, he's willing to make Matthew 7, 8 happen in your life. You will receive, okay? You will find, and the door will be opened. It's going to happen in your life. Captain, okay? Versus sit right there. Nobody puts Jesus in a chair, right? And so I'm going to leave you with this. It's Matthew 8, 13. It's one of my favorite moments with Jesus. It says this, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. He just came down from meeting with the Father came down from the mountainside. A large crowd begins to follow him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him, and he said this, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand, and he touched the man with leprosy, and he said, I am willing. And the man was immediately cleansed. When you are willing, He is willing. Seek. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that God gave you revelation, that you were enlightened, and that you can see more of what God has for you. Make sure you take this message one step further by following through with our action steps so you can grow deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about who we are, or what's happening here at Redefined Church, you can visit us online at churchredefined.com. You can follow us on social media at Redefined Church, or you can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Vimeo, or Apple. Thanks for allowing me to be part of your life. I'll talk to you soon.